So I'm just going to like share with you a short intro, and then I'm going to call up some amazing people in the church. And I'm sure, you know, we could have had everybody up on the stage. Excuse me, but um, you know, we and we just want to encourage you guys by looking at everyday ordinary. You guys are everyday ordinary, right? You're not glowing in the dark, or you know, you're going to shine your halo. Um, we, we just want to hear from, from everyday ordinary people who are living out these values and building um, on the foundation of Jesus in their own lives. And then just looking at how do we now go and advance the kingdom. So as much as we're building on these values and we're encouraging that we're others to do the same, how are we doing it? And how can we encourage you to do the same? Okay. So, you know, what's really easy is that we can often get very complacent in just kind of the day-to-day running of life in work, in family, in friendships. And we kind of, we let things distract us um, and kind of, you know, pull us away, our time and our mind from actually prioritizing the Word of God and the Kingdom of God in our lives. Because we, we should be Kingdom people, shouldn't we? We're Kingdom people? Amen. Okay. So, you know, at the end of the day, when we get so distracted and so overwhelmed and overcome with life, we kind of um, put life here and then God here. And I don't know about you, but it's really easy for that to happen in my life, even though I do this for, you know, like, feels like seven days a week sometimes. (laughs) Um, It is really easy to get distracted from doing what you know God has called you to do. But, you know, we, we just... The, the heart of today is that you would be inspired, that you would be encouraged. And, um, you know, when I, I was just yesterday reading through um, the book of Acts and, like, you know, as much as we, we read the Bible and it's, it's so real and it's so relevant and, you know, but sometimes God will just come in and hone in on something to bring a freshness to us. And that's also, again, what I'm hoping is going to be a fresh word to you this morning. But as I was reading through the book of Acts, I was just so... Firstly, encouraged and then challenged to look at my own life and see where I am really living to advance the kingdom in my life. You know, we see that when the early church started, they took a hold of this mandate and they ran with it. And we see that the early church really spread throughout. You know, as Jesus gave the instruction to go and make disciples of all nations. And that we see that in the book of Acts, that as, as the message of Jesus was being preached and as people were seeing the signs and the wonders and the, just the amazing things that the, the disciples were doing, that you know, there, was, there was something happening in people's hearts that were responding to that. And you know, I really, it's my prayer that we would you know, not just yes, the, the Bible and the stories of the apostles and the disciples are so encouraging. And sometimes we feel like, okay, it's like, really, can I do that? You know, yes, they, they walked with Jesus. They, they saw what he did. And they, they're like really following in his footsteps. But me, I, I read about Jesus in the Bible. I see Jesus through someone else's life. What about me? And, um, you know, it's, I was just very encouraged and inspired. <sighs> Sorry, my hair clips are all over the place. <laughs> And, um, you know, when I specifically was just going through the, the book of Acts and looking at how the, the early church were so obedient to God and to the word of God, um, I was really encouraged. And I'm, I'm really hoping that, that you would be encouraged as well. And, you know, um, sometimes when God tells us to do stuff, 
we kind of have a nice answer back to him, like, as to why we can't do it. <laughs> and I was reminded, um, you know, when we look in the book of Acts in chapter 9, we, it's, it's the, the chapter that's speaking about um, Paul or Saul's conversion um, and how Ananias really had such a great role to play in the life of Paul and just really in the advancement of the gospel. And we, I think we only really hear about him um, once or twice in the Bible. And um, it's not going to come up on the screen, but I just I wanted to just read the scripture for you because it's all too real in our own lives. Okay, so from verse 10, it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. And the Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show you how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after he had taken some food, he regained his strength. And why this really, I find it a little bit funny, but also challenging. Because how often when God gives us an instruction or God calls us to do something, do we start to make excuses? God, I can't go and pray for that person. What are they going to think of me? They're, they're not even Christian. You know, I can't pray for my, my colleague at work. Like, we, are we even allowed to do this in the workplace anymore? And how, you know, just we, we so easily want to come and argue with God about doing what he's, he knows that if he's going to call you to do something, he's going to enable you to do that. But, guys, <laughs> in this picture, what I love is that, you know, there's a greater plan and that God, God knows that it's obedience that even in essential essentially advances the gospel if we would just be obedient to what it is he's calling us to do. Imagine if Ananias chose not to go. I don't know what would happen. Would God have sent somebody else? But he's now recorded in the Bible as having obeyed the instruction of God and we look at the impact that it's had and the advancement of the kingdom not just throughout the New Testament but even until today. Aren't we still talking about the works of Paul today? Aren't we still reading from the, the letters that he wrote? Who's going to be writing about your life? Who's going to be speaking about you? What impact are you going to have? And just lastly, before I call our, our panel up, um, I was also just reminded um, about the, the parable that Jesus shared. The, Jesus often told stories um, which are really par- well, parables, which are stories to, to the people around him and the disciples to help them understand what the kingdom of God is and what it is like. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, he's sharing about the parable of the yeast or the parable of the leaven. And he says this, 
the word says this. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like the yeast of a woman used in the making of bread. Even though she put only a little yeast in three measures of flour, it permeated every part of the dough. You know, when I don't know if you've ever baked or made bread dough or something that you've had dough that you've had to put yeast in. You know, you only I'm not a really a baker, but I've I've seen people do it. <laughs> um, yes. So what happens is you put just a little bit of yeast in because why wow, that that yeast is gonna make your dough expand. Am I right? Okay, all the bakers said yes, you're on the right track. <laughs> And um, essentially, we see that what started off small has now expanded and become something big, where at the end of the day, um, you've maybe got more bread. Or my dad used to make fet cook, and he used to do this like so often. We've actually got a picture there, not of my dad's fet cook, but <laughs> just a picture of how, you know, yeast influences and yeast impacts. And in the same way, what really what we're saying is, can you also maybe just go to the next slide? Um, guys, that is just an overflow. Why? Because of a little bit of yeast. And you know, when we accept Jesus into our lives, the kingdom comes in us and it starts to make an impact. However big, however small, however much. And the more we begin to live for Jesus, the more we begin to meditate on his word, and the more we begin to um, really live that out so that people can see, the more it begins to grow in our lives. And once it started to grow on the inside, what's the next obvious thing is it's going to start to overflow in all that we do, in all that we say, in all that we are. And, you know, it isn't my prayer that we would be like these people who are filled with the kingdom, however much or however little, where we, wherever we're at in our walk with the Lord, we can all use a little bit more, right? <laughs> And it's my, my prayer that as we just hear from just Karabo, you know Karabo, Sechang, Auntie Joy and Karabo, that, you know, as they've kind of taken the word of God and are living it out, and as it's had impact in the lives of people around them, that you're going to be inspired, that the kingdom of God is going to begin to expand and it's going to begin to overflow in your life. Amen. Can I ask our panel to join me on the stage? And can we ask the amazing people to bring our chairs for us? You're welcome to come and sit in the front. We've got a nice, long, open front here. Okay, so um, it is my privilege, my great privilege, to actually be sitting on the stage um, with these three amazing people. Um, I don't know if you've interacted with them at any stage uh, or at any time in church, but... um, 
you know, they really just have such amazing um, hearts for the Lord and uh, hearts to serve Jesus and really to do what it is that he's called them to do. And um, so we've asked them to just come and share a little bit more this morning about their lives and um, about what it is that they've been doing uh, in the area of advancing the kingdom. And um, so I'm just going to introduce them to you uh, just in case you don't know them. Uh, so we have Auntie Joy here, and Auntie Joy is amazing. Um, Auntie Joy uh, was in my connect group, <laughs> and she used to open her home up to us to host us, and um, she's the reason why I love curry so much. <laughs> so I thank you for that. <laughs> um, and then we have Sehang. Um sehang has been in the church for a, a long time. <laughs> she's also been serving faithfully. Um, and she's, she's going to share more about what areas of church she's involved in. Um, but she's got a real heart to just really serve God and to give back to campus and to the church, to the kingdom as a whole. And then we've got Karabo. And we all like, we, we kind of should, you know, we're all kind of sitting next to this man who's done so many amazing things. <laughs> um, but Karabo has also been a part of our church for a while. And um, he's just really, he's got his hands in a whole lot of different pies. And you'll hear a, a little bit more of some of what he's doing. Um, he, his family's here in church as well. He met his wife here. Amen to that. <laughs> um, and so it's just such a, a privilege to be sitting up here with you guys. And guys, like, I want to encourage you to just, just receive, but don't also just receive. Be inspired. And as we're hearing from them, you know, let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Let him remind you about what it is he has called you to do. So we're not essentially setting them up here to say, look at what they are doing and what you're not. It's look at what they're doing and be inspired as to how you can also go and, and really just uh, live for Jesus. But I'm sure we're all doing that anyway, right? <laughs> okay, so I'm going to ask them each just to... Um, kind of just share with us what it is they're doing in church um, and then also they're going to just share um, briefly their testimony of how they came to know the Lord and their personal conviction for uh, kingdom advancing. So we can start with you, Auntie Joy. Thanks, Eloise. Um, good morning, family. <laughs> I'm really, really touched that I've been given this opportunity to share my testimony and I'm hoping even if one person gets inspired by it and does something I just want to give God all the praise and glory and honor uh, I know most of you and greet you by the door or by the connect zone but today you're going to know a little bit more about me um, how do you put 53 years of experience into a few minutes, but I'll try. <laughs> the one thing I learned was you need to talk less and listen more because you already know what you know, but by listening more, you're going to know what they know. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to try. That's something is work in progress. So for all of you that don't know me, I'm uh, Mary Joy Dorsami. Uh, one of five siblings. We come from a very, very poor socioeconomic background. So not all Indians are connected to the Guptas. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not speaking from a point of privilege, 
But just to set the record straight, I am uh, connected to the highest authority in the land. And that's our God and Savior. He created this earth. So I come from a family with five children. Uh, only one finished matric, and I wasn't one of them. My parents didn't go to school. And, but the one thing that they gave me was a love for Jesus. So I grew up in church, uh, attending Sunday school, was a Sunday school teacher, uh, being actively involved in the youth. But I also grew up in church where everything was like so strict. Uh, we didn't use pants and uh, makeup. You didn't go to the bioscopes as they called it then. And, uh, you know, uh, we That's had Dukes over. <laughs> and then we had to use Dukes over our heads and stuff. So many of us would have not made it to heaven if we stayed in that situation. But I thank God I learned about grace over that time. Uh, I'll just give you one incident where a fellow uh, friend of mine uh, was a Sunday school teacher and one of the weekends I saw with the jeans and I went to the elder and I said this girl is using jeans and she's teaching in Sunday school and they called her to the front and they asked her to leave. You know? So I repented of my sin when I understood the grace of God and I got to ask her to forgive me. But I'm so glad that God is not interested in our outward appearance. He's interested in our art attitude. So anyway, having grown up in a Christian family and in church, um, I loved the Lord, but I didn't understand that I didn't have to work so hard to earn his approval. Uh, you know, I didn't understand about grace. And then I left home at 17 to start nursing. I did work in a clothing factory before that. Uh, I earned 16 rand a week. Um, then I worked in a radio factory. Then I started nursing. And while all my friends were out having fun, when I lived in Rez, I was going to church and going to Bible studies. And at some point, I felt that I was missing out. And I made choices that impacted my life over the next 20 or some odd years. Um, it's difficult living apart from God. We are created for relationship with Him. And relationship with Him and with those around us is what gives us comfort. But anyway, I cho cho chose to seek comfort from other avenues. And uh, my life did go in a downward spiral. But thank God He gave me two beautiful children. And as I said, <laughs> children keep you humble. You know, when you thought you knew everything, you, they actually keep you humble. And I did a lot of complaining in my early marriage. Complained about my mother-in-law, complained to God about my husband, complained to God about his family and how things were not going right. And until one day he told me, enough of complaining. And he started to change me. And I was obedient. Uh, it took 20 years. When I got married, my husband wasn't a Christian, so I waited for God to change him until I came back to church. So it took around 20 years until I got to a point where, you know, I'm always in control, I always do things very well, and that was like for me what was keeping me going. But when you realize that your own strength will fail you, 
that everything you know, everything you have will not give you that peace of God, then, then something's about to happen. So I came to a point where I lost total control of my life as I knew it. And the doctor told me, no, you are afraid and you've got depression and he ordered tablets for me. So something stirred within me. And I flushed the toilets down, I mean the tablets down the toilet pan and I said, enough's enough. I serve a living God. He's not given me a spirit of fear. And he is my healer, he is my strength, and he is my comfort. And I took my children to church. H.P. Durban. First day I came to church, God miraculously healed my ligaments. I couldn't walk because I had a major injury when on a skiing trip. Yeah. And um, I couldn't walk properly, and God healed me. I mean, I didn't do anything to deserve it. He just did. He loved me. He was waiting to shower me with gifts, which I wasn't ready to accept. So, yeah, and from then on, I've learned and grown in this church. The word has, 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 has like taken me to a new level. I've learned to replace every lie of the enemy with the truth of God's word. I've learned who I am. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. I, that he loves me dearly, and he wants to give me good gifts. And if I'm just obedient to him, he will give me the desires of my heart. There's a long story in between that summary. So when we have time, we can talk about it. But let me tell you, if you live life apart from God, your title, your material things, whatever you've achieved, will not get you anywhere, will not see you through. It's just the love of God, knowing who God is, like when we learn from the series, making that the foundation of your life, the rest will follow. You might not get everything right. You might offend people. You might do things, but when God sees your attitude and the fact that you want to honor him, he will give you honor. So be blessed. <laughs> Thank you. Morning, everyone. Um, my name is Sakhang Chipea. Uh, I'm not going to introduce myself that much. I, I just want to say that um, it will come up later why this is relevant. But I'm the second of many, 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 many siblings. Those of you that know, know. Um, most from my father, but only two from my mom. Um, how I came to know the Lord is. I first gave my life uh, to Christ when I was about seven years old when um, a pastor in my area where I'm from in Soweto um, gathered around a whole lot of kids in the area and, and shared the gospel with us. And I remember being so moved. Um, I was so touched. I, I, something changed within me. I thought, wow, you know, my life has changed. And I was so excited. And I went home. I was determined to live a holy life from then onward. Went home and I told my mom and she was just not having any of it. She was like, Please. Um, it was a Seventh-day Adventist church, so it would have meant I would, to go back to the church, I would have had to go every Saturday. And she just said, there's no way she's giving up her Saturdays. You know, they call them Bongonzai because they just, they meet the whole Saturday. No, you know, and plus now she has to give up her ancestral beliefs because of this church. So that, that dream died. Um, God knew, he kept it latent, but uh, that was the end of that for about 10 years. 
Um, so about 10 years later, when I was about 17 in, um, in high school, I was in boarding house. Um, because I was in boarding house away from school, we experimented with a lot of, although it might be a shock, a lot of, you know, substances, adolescent substances, um, you know, alcohol, whatever, all of those things. And I also dabbled a lot in different spiritual things. Um, my older sister was a, a Taoism devotee. Uh, it's like a new age type of religion. So um, I, I followed her along that path. But I was also Christian, but also did ancestralism things and also did Baha'i. I just got involved in everything. <laughs> Until uh, one day, um, the, a couple of, of girls in the dorm got together and we were sharing ghost stories. And uh, two of the girls started sharing um, a demonic a story of a demonic experience that they would have regularly and um, it suddenly became very real um, it, it, I mean the demonic presence, presence must have entered into the dorm because the atmosphere just changed completely we were all frightened and helpless we didn't know what to do with ourselves um, and I remember thinking goodness I can't sleep none of us could sleep and so um, I went back to my bed and I took out a dusty Bible from ages ago. <laughs> I remembered, oh God, you know, there's God. Um, and, and, and I remember saying to God, you know, I'd, please, can you just come and do something? I don't know what to do with myself. And that night I slept like a baby. I had so much peace. I woke up and I was extremely grateful. And I thought, wow, there's power in this thing. I remember thinking, goodness, where have I been? You know, there's God, there's power, there's... You know, so, so that was the beginning of it. I was so determined. I, I, I knew nothing about being born again. I'd completely forgotten. I didn't know what it meant to be born again or anything like that. But I was so determined to please God. I had in my room a big chart of um, the sins I commit every day. And the plan was to reduce the sins, train myself until they get to point zero. I was so grateful to God. I just, you know, so for obvious reasons, that chart flopped. <laughs> After, you know, it worked initially and then it just didn't, it flopped it. I told all my friends, I've discovered this Bible. Um, this is what I want to do for God. I'm not doing any of the stuff that we used to do anymore. I discovered Ephesians 5 verse 18. I underlined it in gold, I remember. I was so excited. Um, but there was no youth ministry uh, or anything of the sort in, in our hostel. So uh, that, that also died after a while. I kind of forgot about that. And um, something bubbled within me, but I didn't know what to do with it. So, you know, that died. And then um, I got to university. And uh, my first, like almost one of the first few days in O-Week, somebody approached me from his people uh, church doing those outreach, uh, O-Week outreach um, things. And... I don't think I even let her get to the end of her sentence. I just said yes, yes, yes to everything. I had been waiting for years. I was so excited. Um, and, and, yeah, that's how I gave my life. And, yeah, that's it. Hey, guys, morning. It's good to see you again. Um, I'll be very brief. Um, as you guys know, I'm married to Tuli, uh, who's at home with the flu, so please think of her and pray for her. Um, uh, she's at home, and, and we've got two little ones, Emila and Samora, and, um, and yeah, we're so happy here. This has been home for us for the last seven years, um, I think it is, six, seven years. In fact, my very first visit to HP uh, all those years ago was the day that I met Tuli. Uh, and the day I decided I was going to stay because I was just visiting. Uh, 
it's true. <laughs> uh, I spent the next year chasing her and her not, you know, rejecting me. And uh, but I wore her down. And uh, I will say to her, it doesn't matter. I know how the story ends. <laughs> Um, and um, and so, you know, being part of this family, we've been involved in all kinds of different things over the years. Currently, uh, Tuli's with uh, the kids and uh, the kids' ministry and really enjoying that. Um, I was there once upon a time, and uh, at one point I led the youth ministry, the teens, and, um, and currently I'm uh, on the finance committee uh, with Uncle Malcolm and, and other folks. Um, in terms of how I came to faith, um, I think really mine is a story of, of gratitude, um, really seeing how God can use people to, to reach into your life and, uh, and, to, and to help you get over, you know, get, get to that place where you can accept uh, Christ. I think for me, being a highly um, uh, intellectual kind of person, uh, someone who likes to think through things, highly logical in my approach to things, uh, I think in my teens, I began to be, to be curious about faith and the things of God. And, and I, for a long time, tried to think my way into it. And so, um, so I had a, a pastor um, uh, at school, and, uh, and I would take him all these different questions. Um, really questions trying to disprove uh, things in the Bible, disprove um, Jesus and, uh, and his Godhead. You need to understand, I come from a family of atheists. My dad is a proper atheist, like a real, real atheist, um, and, uh, and violently so. And, um, and so, so I didn't grow up in church, didn't really have exposure to the things of God, and uh, grew up in a world and in a family where uh, I was told that this was all nonsense and, uh, you know, and uh, hocus-pocus and made-up stuff. And, uh, and that none of it could be proved and none of it made any sense. So I had to try and make sense of it for myself and, um, and, and thought I could ask my way into it, kind of question my way into it, or at least disprove it once and for all and kind of dispel of the whole notion. Um, thankfully, um, Rev Kev, uh, the good reverend, uh, was very patient with me and, uh, and he answered all my questions time and time again and didn't try and push me into faith. But ultimately the thing that... Um, that, that allowed me to accept Christ and accept God was uh, a really simple analogy that he, that he gave to me. I think he was kind of getting fed up with me and all my questions. And, uh, and, and I think he kind of shared a really essential truth with me, which is that to come to faith, it requires one to stand on the edge of the cliff and to step off, um, trusting that somewhere between the top and the bottom, God's going to catch you. Uh, and that he's faithful to do that, and he's good to do that, and that faith is a stepping out, faith is a letting go. Um, and, and for some reason, that, that illustration did the trick. It, uh, it uh, softened my heart, it, uh, it, uh, and soon thereafter, I was ready to give my life, and I did. And, um, and really what it showed me uh, is an essential truth, like I say, which is, you know, this thing of kind of coming to faith, making a decision to give your life, seems like this incredibly big, difficult, hard, life-changing, consequential thing that, that, that happens in your life. But, but actually what it requires is, is the easiest thing of all. It doesn't require you to do anything. It doesn't even require obedience. Um, it actually just requires letting go, um, surrendering, um, uh, ceding control of yourself and your life, um, 
to someone else, and that person being Jesus, being, being God. And in that letting go, God can reveal himself. God can step in. God can show himself powerful and faithful and real. And, uh, and it doesn't just happen at the point of conversion. It's every day thereafter. The hardest thing to do as a believer is to let go and keep letting go and not take control back of your own life. And um, So I'm very grateful uh, for that. And, uh, and many, many exciting things have happened since. And God has taken me on a great set of adventures. And, uh, and we'll talk about some of that uh, as we go along. Great. Thank you so much, guys, for sharing that. Um, now I've got some questions for you. Um, uh, Stefan, so you currently serving in children's family ministry and um, also you're on the uh, evangelism champions team um, and you also kind of serve wherever there is need. You've just recently um, taught at the DMC. Um, but how would you, or why would you say um, your heart really is um, kind of for evangelism? in maybe where we all should have a heart for evangelism, why is your heart burning with that? And what has God done in you um, that there's a strong conviction? Um, and maybe you can also share with us, like you just completed the outreach internship as well. So what is it that was in your heart driving you to want to advance the kingdom in this way? Um, well, it's, it's hard to say where the conviction comes from, but I, but I honestly, honestly feel that once you get born again, your use on earth, the purpose for you remaining on earth is to advance God's kingdom, is to um, reach the lost for Christ, to reach souls for Christ. And if you're not doing that, then why are you on earth? That's, that's genuinely the conviction that I have. I, I feel redundant when I'm not... Um, taking part in advancing the kingdom, when I'm not taking part in another person coming to Christ, I feel like there's no reason then for me being on earth. Um, that really burns strongly um, on my heart. It, it did during the outreach internship. I mean, I thought it did until I did the internship, and then I thought, oh, God, wow. <laughs> um, it was amazing. It was amazing. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's really where it comes from. I mean, um, God has told us, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So if you follow him, that's the natural outcome. Obviously, there's training and there's, you know, but if you follow him, then you'll become fishers of men. So that it, it burns really strongly on my heart. And um, would you say that, you know, has it become easier the more you've kind of pursued it or the more you've interacted with people um, in an evangelistic moment? Um, and kind of what's, how have you grown as a person by making that decision to step out for God? Um, it, it becomes easier the more you do it. Everybody has a style of witnessing for Christ. Um, some people are, are strong as teachers. Some people are very compassionate counselors. Some people are very intellectual like Garabo. Some people are big with crowds. You know, like Danina. Some people are your one-on-one -on -one, uh, type of people. It depends who you are. But for me, um, I found that I'm a one-on-one -on -one type of person. Um, I, I put in a lot of effort into my colleagues because I see them at work. Um, it also depends on the season of life where I am. So when I first moved to Durban, I used to practice, you know, how to... Uh, 
didn't know how to speak the language at all. So um, I would go to bus stops. I didn't have a car. I'd go to bus stops and use that as an opportunity to practice. And, you know, we'd laugh together, but, you know, they'd get saved and, and stuff. So um, it, it really, it, it takes practicing. It takes pushing yourself um, out. It also, I mean, there are different ways uh, that you learn through things like the DMC and, you know, whatever else. Um, but, it, it, yeah, it takes a lot of practice. Uh, the first couple of times you'll probably be shaky, um, you know, every time after that you'll get really good and really good and, and you'll really feel the presence of God because that's why, that's what he's doing on earth. He's seeking the lost. So you'll feel at a certain point, especially when you, when you, when you're sharing the gospel part of your message that God almost takes over and, and you don't have to, you know, work hard and, and do a lot. God almost takes over and then it becomes addictive. So, yeah. <laughs> so very quickly, what would you say to the person who knows what the word says, um, that we should go and preach the gospel, share the good news, go and make disciples, for people who struggle to live that out and kind of are okay with the next person doing that, what would be um, your just a, a very brief encouragement to them? Uh, I would say that it is probably a whole lot easier than you think it is. Um, if I look at where I evangelize the most in my life, it's where I am. I don't, I don't have to, you know, go to the ends of the earth to evangelize. So, for example, my colleagues at work, um, I stay, I, I spend a lot of time after work when everyone else has gone. Um, I come in later and leave later, which means I'm alone in the office quite a lot. I spend that time praying at each person's desk. Um, when I know there's a new colleague, we have a new person who's going to come into the office, I spend time praying at that person's desk as well to make sure by the time they come, you know, there's five. So by the time they come, um, <laughs> there's already something that's happened in the spirit. Already some of the hard work has been done. Um, and then I, uh, you know, it comes up often naturally during conversations. Um, you know, if you're the type of person that counsels easily, you'll, you'll just chat to them and suddenly they'll open up and then, you know, you'll tell them, you know, it works for me. And this is after a couple of probing questions. This is what works for me. You know, that is what works for me. So it, I would say as an encouragement, um, start with where you are. That is the biggest harvest um, mm. for your life. It's where you are. For example, I have a lot of siblings as well, and I know I've been called to Durban for my siblings. I know uh, because I, I received a dream uh, when I was on campus um, where I was given a, a very vivid dream. I was given a baby, and the baby was white, and the person ran away whose, whose baby it was, and I stuck with this baby, but I just knew I had to take care of the baby. Um, I didn't understand it at all, and then I moved to Durban, uh, you know, through whatever, long story and God. But I moved to Durban, and um, suddenly all these siblings of mine needed, had all these spiritual needs. And uh, through, you know, God, they, they started getting saved one by one, one by one. Sure. And, um, you know, they've got amazing parents. It's not that they don't have parents, but the spiritual needs were not being yeah. met. So I don't have to go anywhere. It's just here at home in Morningside. And then eight hours a day, I'm at work. You know, that's where it is. Yes, we are called to go out as well, but your first harvest is where you are. Start by praying to loosen the spiritual atmosphere and then just start talking. And, and God that's very good. Off. Very practical, eh? Hey? Okay. Um, so, Auntie Joy. Hello. <laughs> um, you, I know you've, uh, you have a lot of, um, I think, just uh, hunger for God and for people from what I've seen on your life. 
um, and just wanting people to know this Jesus um, and to know what it is that they can have um, like you have. So maybe can you share with us how, firstly, very briefly, um, how... (laughs) How do you first carry that in your home? You've got two grown-up children now, Cassandra and Yogan's not here today, hey? Um, you probably would have seen him around. Um, how, did, how have you kind of firstly stewarded that in your home as, as a mom and as a, a Christian? Okay. Uh, the one thing I learned about children is you can't tell them to do something when you yourself are not doing it. And... Uh, I always had this joke, but it's actually quite true, that when I got born again, God gave me the Holy Spirit, and then he gave me Cassandra. <laughs> you know? So they keep me in check. But basically, it's, uh, it's respecting each other. It's praying together and praying in your own room, studying the word, showing love to people, making people feel welcome. Uh, living out these dreams, like even if you go into the stop street, how you treat a beggar, how you treat the elders in your family, just those practical things as children of God where uh, we are called to live a life uh, of a higher standard and to be real. Like where I struggle, I actually sit them down and say I'm having these issues or if, if I feel they probably step the mark, uh, being bold enough to correct them in love. And, and letting them know that no matter what happens, I'm called to love them. I don't have a choice. So, <laughs> but I'm there to correct them and lead them and guide them. And, and that others must look at our family and know that there's something different about us and that we serve a living God. Yeah, that's great. So you guys pray together. You're very real. Not every day. Yeah, we don't them. pray together every day, but we try to do it as often okay. as possible. But we also share our experiences and, uh, yeah, the communication is opening a bit further now. So so it's good. So you you really try and, um, you know, where we spoke about the value of being Christ-centered, really trying to incorporate that into your home, not just in your life, but with your children as well. Because you have to be authentic. Yeah. You can't, like, be one thing at home and then go out and the kids will say, who is this? Yeah, for sure. You know, so you've got to be the same all over. Sure. Okay, that's great. Um, now, Karabo, you, um, as, as I said earlier, you, you're so kind of um, all over the place in a good way, <laughs> where you've uh, been, you've invested yourself and your time into a lot of uh, different areas, um, re- specifically kingdom causes. And um, you, you know, up until two weeks ago, um, you were the CEO of African Enterprise, um, which is one of the biggest evangelism organizations in, is it, it's Africa, not just Southern Africa. Um, how, what, what was it that kind of um, got you in your heart that you, this is something you want to invest yourself and your time into, especially knowing all these other things that you are, are doing. I mean, you, you're running a business as well, internet service provider. Um, you've got a family. And uh, how are you, what is it that makes you want to put up your hand and say, you know what, I'll, I'll do it, send me. Well, it's like you knew the answer because you've uh, already alluded to to, to the scripture that's really kind of two scriptures have guided my faith life um, and shaped and driven everything that I've done 
since getting saved. And the first is, is Isaiah 6, 8. And uh, Isaiah says, And uh, I heard the Lord say, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah's answer is, um, Here I am, Lord. I will go. And, um, and, and I think from very, very early on, um, I wanted to be an I will go person. You know, and, and I've lived my life as an I will go person, you know. Um, so whenever life has posed me a question uh, or, or situations have posed me a question, it's my natural, it's become my natural instinct to say yes. So my answer to almost every question in life is yes, you know. Uh, will you do this? Yes. Will you is be on it, our panel? Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, and, and it's, it's the thing that's shaped my life the most. It's just a, a kind of willingness and a readiness always to say yes to the things of God. And, um, and I guess it's a, it's a kind of frame of mind. It's a disposition. Uh, I also have to really thank my parents uh, for that. Uh, I think it's... Um, one can't overestimate just how important it is, um, the legacy that your parents kind of create for you. Uh, I come from a family where my dad was a political prisoner, spent 10 years on Robben Island, um, has served the community in so many ways since then. So I grew up in a home and in a family where kind of giving your life in service was just what you do. That's how you live. It's not, uh, it's not, a, it's not, it's not if, it's when and how. And so, and so I think even if I hadn't become a believer, I think that legacy was still there. It was really strong. And I think God has harnessed that thing for the kingdom. Um, so I think, yeah, I think just being a person who's ready to say yes uh, at every turn. I think um, God is not looking for qualified people. God is looking for willing people. Um, and I think that's, that's evident throughout scripture. Uh, and, uh, and so the second, the second scripture that shaped my life fundamentally is, um, is Exodus 4.2. Uh, which is where Moses um, is uh, up on the mountain with God. God is sending him back to Israel to to set uh, to set the people free. And uh, and Moses is having doubts about the whole thing, and he feels really inadequate. And God says to him, "What's in your hands?" Um, and that that's just for me has been um, has been the thing that's spoken to me from a very young age. Um, to say it doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you know, it doesn't matter where you went to school, didn't go to school, what you, you know, what your skills are, what your skills aren't. Um, if you're willing, you know, um, and you're willing to put your hand up, um, then God will use whatever you have, however little, however humble, however unqualified you are. And so really my experience through most of the things that uh, God has led me into um, is that I didn't go into many of them, if any of them, knowing what I was doing. Uh, I, I really didn't. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, when I when I was a missionary for a season in my life, uh, I think I had been a Christian like I don't know a year. Um, I you hadn't gone to Bible school or anything, but but you know, God God called me. I said yes, and I went, and He used what little I had in my hands, and He made it work. And um, you know, um, you know, for a season in my life, God used me um, as a journalist. I lived in the Middle East. I spent a whole lot of time in, in war zones and all sorts of things. And, and in all of that, I didn't know what I was doing. But all I knew is that I'd been called, and I said yes, and I went. And God used what was in my hands, and he made it work. And, uh, and so I see that repeated time and time again. Um, so all of these places where God has led me, uh, none of them were planned, pre-planned. None of them were strategic. It was God prompting my heart in response to needs, 
Uh, and we live in a world just so full of needs. Guys, you don't have to go far. Uh, if you're a willing person, if you're willing to say yes, there's a whole lot of stuff to say yes to. Uh, you know, there are so many children's homes and orphanages and, and ministries that are doing so much good work. And, you, and, and all you need to be willing is to say yes. I'm going to get behind that. I'm going to put my energy uh, behind that. I'm willing to to give sacrificially to that, and, and God will use whatever you have, uh, however little, however unqualified. I can't emphasize that enough. There are, really, there are only two types of people in the world, as best as I can tell. Uh, there are people who, who, who go, and, um, and there are people who have reasons why they didn't go. Yeah. And, um, and, and the choice that we all have in our lives is, is which one of those we intend to be. And, uh, and I can tell you, having walked some journey with God, that uh, amazing, amazing things happen in obedience, uh, in the going, in the saying yes. Um, amazing things happen, really amazing things. Come on, that's so encouraging. <laughs> Just to use what's in our hands. Um, I've got one, one more question for, for each of you. Um, now, Sekhang, I wanted to ask you how you... Um, practically live out your faith and your conviction um, and your belief really in you know advancing the gospel how do you especially maybe if i can ask you in your workplace um you know because it's probably maybe one of the hardest places to be a believer in so in your experience um and your walk with the lord how you know how do you practically do that Um, yes, you're right. In the workplace, it is, it's, it's hard, but it's easy. You just have to be strategic. Um, the, way, <laughs> the way that I do it is you, you connect with the people. You go for the heart. Um, you, I mean, you could do things like put up scriptures, etc., but uh, you, you have to connect with the people, go for the heart. Secondly, the way that you work. Um, I work for, 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 for government, so... By default, I'm expected to be lazy and slow and embezzling state funds and coming late for lunch. And, you know, that's, that's the, the perception that, have, uh, that people have of government. You work for government, you must be one of them, you know. So when you, um, when you, are ex- when you have a spirit of excellence about your work, um, just in, even in little things, getting back to emails, as, as petty and small as that sounds, it makes a big difference. Um, you know, the way you handle people, the way you, um, you, you handle service queries, the, you know, those types of things, it, it makes a big difference. And I've had people coming to me and asking, um, you know, I, I don't mean to overstep, but are you a Christian? You know, like, I don't know, I don't know how, but, you know, you must be Christian. Because it makes a difference, um, the way you handle yourself. So, so the first thing is to go for people's hearts, and the second thing is to, to make sure that there's an excellence about your work. And then, um, also, you have to respect your work hours. So um, there will be times, for example, when, uh, when people get saved um, at work, those that have gotten saved so far anyway, um, I, I like to go through the one-to-one with them. Um, but because of work hours, you know, you can't have counseling sessions in the middle of the, you know, open plan. Op- you have to schedule uh, lunch times with them or say, uh, how about we do this, you know, Friday's lunch or, you know, that type of thing. Um, 
So, so you, you respect your work hours, you're excellent about your work, and then there are other things like um, finding other believers uh, in the office often works, and then maybe having prayer meetings with them. That often attracts seekers as well. Also then you have to respect your work hours just before work or during lunch again or, you know, so, yeah, uh, there's a lot to say, but because of time I won't. Um, I also want to encourage you guys to engage with them, um, you know, as you, like, we have fellowship time after church. We all love our tea and coffee, <laughs> coffee, um, to engage with them. And, you know, if you feel like, oh, man, that was such a good point, I want to know more, then by all means, I'm putting you guys up for auction here. <laughs> Please go and have a, a further chat with them because um, there's so much more that these guys have that I'm, like, have here, but we can't get to everything. Um, Auntie Joy. Now, I know you've um, you had various areas of involvement um, in community, just caring for people, because as you are, you've said, you're a self-confessed Martha, you're a servant. <laughs> um, now, I remember you had shared with me a couple of years ago an initiative where you had um, been going to a school, I don't know if I'm going to say this name right, it's Kulungawazi, um, where you would, did I say that right? No. Okay, it's okay. We'll, it'll, we'll, well, however, it's okay. <laughs> um, where you would make sandwiches for children um, who had to take medication, that they didn't have to do that on an empty stomach. Um, you, as a connect group, you threw Christmas parties for them, um, and you also gave um, support to the teachers in the area of counseling them. Now, what is it in your heart that there was a conviction in you that this was something that you wanted to take on? which was, I'm sure, a big commitment. Uh, just for some context, um, I work for this year is 38 years of working, and it was a period where I had an 18-month break. And during that time, um, I did a lot of things, uh, like going to counseling courses, and I wanted to do more. So I got involved with the moms who care in the school, where we go to the schools and pray for our children's uh, school and all the needs there. But uh, more importantly, I wanted to do something for the community. And uh, near where I lived was a school called Kulungwazi, if I'm saying it right. And uh, it was a special needs school. So, so basically, uh, children were sick and uh, from very underprivileged areas were bused to the school. But what I found out was there were a lot of children that were taking medication, uh, but they didn't have any food to eat, so they were taking medication on an empty stomach. And uh, that wasn't on. So during that time that I was at home, I made sandwiches for those children. And uh, whilst interacting with the teachers and the principal, I realized that they had so much of needs uh, in terms of counseling and how they handled the school. And there was a lot going on. The school, the children used to be abused in the school. In uh, like little girls were abused in the in the toilets, uh, big boys, because they were children, little children, right up to uh, children who were 20 years old. So the little ones were really being abused. So I used to help uh, counsel the teachers, and uh, and I realized and I asked them, what can we do? So as a connect group, we actually uh, threw one or two Christmas parties where some of the children would never receive a gift for Christmas. And uh, so we got them hampers, and they actually went home with uh, like a toy each and hampers. And 
like we just like try to encourage them and love on them. And I know Amanda and Wesley, you weren't able to come that day, but we all spend time preparing for this in this this way, taking the love of Jesus to them because. Uh, you can't go to a hungry person and say Jesus loves you. I mean, sure. what does it mean? Sure. You know, somebody in need. You you got to address the need as well. So as far as possible, uh, be practical. See what people need, and in that way, you'll be demonstrating the love of Christ mm. to them. Amen. And I, I just think it's such a um, a beautiful picture of seeing a need and filling it in a very practical way. Um, and I think there's a need all around us, and we just need to open our eyes and, again, say, okay, whatever I can do, here I am, Lord. Um, so it's very, very commendable, Auntie Joy. Um, and then my last question, Karabo, um, you've said that as a general rule, you give up to 20% of your working time, your billable hours, um, to kingdom causes. So this does not include not, not using your free time. Now, um, you know, since you got married and you've got two beautiful kiddies, um, was this, has this, is this just like something that you've continued to do? And I know um, maybe because you're your own boss, you're able to give that 20%. But, you know, firstly, my first question to you is, um, you know, how would you encourage us to give of our time as a, as a general rule that this is my service to the kingdom? Um, how can you encourage us in that, even knowing that, most of us here work. Um, and then also, how did you um, continue, you know, getting married and, and having kids is a whole different dynamic. So how did you maintain that in a practical way? Um, yeah, I, I don't think it was uh, something that one planned to do going into it. But I think, once again, um, you know, the needs are so many. And, and they come to you. You don't have to go looking for them. They really do. Um, I mean, someone who's worked with me a long time here is Tandwa. And T has probably seen me go through this journey over the last uh, four or five years and, um, uh, and, and even before. And just kind of how situations present themselves. Um, crises arise. You, you run into a ministry that's doing awesome work. People ask you to get involved. And, uh, and I think, once again, it's just that... that that sense of this is not a um, this is not a favor that I'm doing for people. This is not um, this is not charity. This is my duty. This yeah. is part of what God has has called me to do. And I think the other important thing I should say I, I, I told myself I mustn't forget to share this with you. The only way to kind of uh, engage and give in these ways and to keep doing it without um, you know becoming weary, becoming disillusioned. Uh, one of the best things I learned very, very early on is that you should never do anything in the hope and expectation of being thanked. Because you won't be thanked. Uh, <laughs> no, I really mean that. No, I don't even mean it as in, a, as in a kind of self-congratulatory kind of way. But in a sense, to kind of keep your heart pure and to keep yourself motivated. If you, if you, if you expect and hope for thanks... Uh, and gratefulness and for recognition, uh, all of those things have a way of not coming. And if when they don't come, there's nothing that can dull your spirit, dull your enthusiasm, make you resentful, and turn away from doing all of these things um, than, than that expectation. So it's so important to do them just because they, 
they're the right thing to do because you want to do them, because it feeds your spirit, because it's what God has asked you to do. And if you do it that way, whatever happens, whether it goes well or goes poorly, whether, whether people thank you or don't thank you, it doesn't matter. You just did the thing you needed to do. And that's super important, and I can't encourage all of you enough. I've seen too many people fall away, turn away, um, because of that sense of resentment that can develop uh, sure. if you if you have the wrong hopes and expectations yeah. going into it. But in terms of practically what it looks like, for me, you're right. I mean, I've had the benefit of being my own boss, but, but be that as it may, I still, you know, I've just, I was just willing to give the time and to, and to stretch myself and to give up the income. And, mm-hmm. to, um, and, and for me, it felt, it felt right. It felt like part of my giving, part of my tithing and offering. It's a, you know... A, once again, it's all about what you have in your hand. So in my instance, um, you know, uh, I don't have, uh, uh, I'm not a gazillionaire or not yet. And, uh, and so, you know, the best thing I have to give is, is my mind. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a strategy person. That's what I do in all my, in all my businesses. And so, and so I've chosen to serve on lots of boards. I serve on the boards of probably 10, 15, 20 organizations over the last uh, number of years, everything from African Enterprise to Alpha to Scripture Union to the Future Life Foundation, which feeds, uh, uh, feeds uh, children, um, uh, Live Children's Village, which uh, runs a children's home for hundreds of kids, lots and lots and lots of different types of organizations. And, and I love that, and I feel like I'm contributing and giving my best in that situation. As for my family, um, I think one of the things that um, I've discovered um, – is that all of us are capable of so much more than we imagine we are. Uh, I remember before I got married and uh, Tuli and I were courting and uh, the kids weren't around yet, I remember thinking, wow, I'm working so hard and I'm so busy. Um, I have no time to do anything. And then, and then I got married and then, and, then, and then I had to give all this time to my wife. And then I thought, wow, this is hard now. Like I was already so busy and so now I've got to fit like my wife into this whole story. And, and that was hard. And then just as I got used to that, then, then the kids came. And then, and then I felt like, wow, I thought I was working so hard. And, and, uh, and what I realized is that you're just capable of doing more. Uh, you're always capable of doing more. Um, and, and I've been amazed to see that in myself, my ability to stretch mm-hmm. myself, stretch my time, become more effective, mm-hmm. more efficient, more sacrificial. Um, you know, we've got a very kind of defined family routine. For those of you who are people who kind of like to work, uh, I like to work. Um, you know, but the real family disciplines for us. So for us, between 6 and 10, every night, uh, without exception, that's family time. It's me, the kids, uh, Tuli. Um, when my wife falls asleep, then I do some more work, you know. And, uh, and that's fine because that's what I'm willing to give, uh, you know, to get all of these things done that I believe that God has for me. But God has given me the grace for all of it, but not at the cost, I would like to think. You can ask my wife when you see her, uh, (laughs) of our family. Okay. Guys, that's amazing. Thank you. All right. I want to release you guys. Thank you so much. Um, I don't know about you. Um, but I just feel inspired and encouraged. And, you know, again, just one of the reasons why we wanted to, you know, just get other people up here. Because it's easy to preach a word and tell us that we need to do X, Y, and Z. But when you tell me, you know, look at my life and tell me how am I supposed to do this in reality, these are just some examples that it is doable. 
Um, so I'm going to ask us to stand because we are um, at the end of, of our service and thank you for giving us uh, 10 minutes grace. <laughs> um, but I just wanted to close with one scripture and it's in Acts chapter 3. Um, and from verse 1, we, we just see here Peter and John um, heading up to the temple. And it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, when a certain crippled man from his birth was being carried along, who was laid each day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, so that he might beg for charitable gifts from those who entered the temple. So when he saw Peter and John about to go in, he asked them to give him a gift. And Peter directed his gaze intently at him, and so did John, and said, Look at us. And the man paid attention to them, expecting that he was going to get something from them. But Peter said, Silver and gold I have none. But what I do have I give to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And I just want to encourage us that, you know what, some of us here, you know, in, in living out our lives for Jesus and, you know, just kind of in the heart of, you know, living outward and not just inward, what can I get, what can I do for me, but, you know, what can I get for others and what can I do for others and what can I give? And if I'm called to go, you know, what am I going with? And, you know, sometimes we might be able to give the silver and gold, but what is more powerful that you know, any, on anything on this earth that we could find is to give Jesus and to give the love of Jesus and to give our hearts to the service of the kingdom. And I really pray that as we've, you know, just been hearing these, these real testimonies and real stories of how these guys have gone and they've, they've given whatever it was that they could give. And, you know, maybe, maybe people are expecting a certain something to look like a certain something from you, but you can only give Jesus or you can only give that one sandwich. You can't give, you know, every day to a, a school. Whatever it is that you can do, you know, if you can stop for the one, if you can pray for the one, if you can, you know, help the one, then I believe that you're advancing the kingdom. And like that, leave in that, that yeast, the kingdom that is in your heart is going to grow and it's going to you know, people are going to begin to enjoy the blessing that is on your life and get to experience the kingdom of God that is on your life, that they might have the same. And, you know, I want to pray for us that we would be a people who are going to say, God, I don't have much, but what I have is you. And I believe that if I just give my heart to serving you, that along the way, he will make means that maybe, you know, if... You trust in God to do great things, but you don't have the resources. You don't have the time. You don't even have the skill or the ability that whatever is in your hands to start off with, that I believe that God will grow. And whatever we're sowing into the kingdom is destined to increase. So I want us to pray. And I just want to, whatever it is that you feel like is maybe holding you back from advancing the kingdom. Maybe you're in a workplace that you feel like you can't, pray for someone, you can't disciple someone, you can't, you feel like maybe you can't even be be a believer where people can come and say, you know what, are you a Christian? Because you feel like you've got to hide it. Maybe your life doesn't add up, that they would even be surprised to find out. But I want us to just pray and, and we're going to lift our lives up before the Lord. And I don't know about you, but I want to I wanna put my hand up and say, God, whatever you have put in my heart, 
even if it's just living out the Bible some way on a daily basis, then I want to do that. Because as Sekhang said, the more she evangelizes and the more she goes out and the more she does, the easier it becomes. And um, so can I ask us, can we pray? And let's lift our hearts up before God because I, I want us to just cry out to God that, you know, we're, we're not just going to be hearers of the word, but that we're going to be doers. Because the word also says that faith without works or faith without action is dead. So if we're, if we're saying that God has called us but we're not going, then, then where is, the, where is the, the action to put, in, to put faith to? So Holy Spirit, we want to thank you that, that your word doesn't call us to do the impossible where it's not, Lord, where we, we just can't do it, Lord. But that it is attainable, Lord, and that where it does look impossible, Lord, it is so doable when you're with us and when your spirit is in us, enabling us, equipping us, inspiring us. And I pray that this morning that for every person here in this room that has heard your word, Lord, that has even heard your voice calling them to go, we're just calling them to just continue doing the, the great works that Jesus, that you said that we would do. Lord, where we kind of are doubting in our hearts, our ability because the means around us just does not seem doable, Lord. I pray that you would ignite our hearts this morning to just really become reawakened to the promise and to the gift that is within us, that if we can't give silver and gold, but, Lord, we can give you, then let that not stop us. Let us go all the more, Lord Jesus, because you are the most precious gift we could offer this world. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would begin to inspire our hearts, that you would open our eyes to see the everyday need, the everyday man, that we could stop for the one, Lord, because the crowd sometimes just seems impossible to stop for. And as we begin to do that, let us just see how easy it is, Lord, to pray for someone, to just give them an encouragement, to tell them how great they're doing. Or how blessed they are. And to share the gospel with them, Lord. And I pray that, Lord, that this week even, you would begin to just help us open our eyes to see the need and to see the opportunity. And that we won't be like those who shrink back, Lord. But that there would be a boldness and a courage in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that for those who have a real desire to just want to live 100% for your kingdom, Lord. That you would give them the faith to believe that what what they're desiring to do for you, they would be able to do. And Lord, as we go, we thank you that your word and your encouragement would stay in our hearts. That where we feel discouraged or where we try to do something something kind or something nice for someone and they don't receive it, Lord, let that not stop us, Father. But let, us, let it inspire us to work all the more at making your name known. So we thank you for this word and we thank you just for the rest of this afternoon. We, even, we lift up our campus services to you, Lord, and we thank you for the foot that we have on the campuses. And as we go and preach this message with them, that even as, Lord, where they're at now, as students on campus, they would know, Lord, that they can be advancing the kingdom on their campuses wherever they are. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, for all that you're doing in our, in our lives and in this church. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.